And we fight pretty good, getting goals is our job And we get goals good, looking good, we are Carlisle United Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle The number one place to get your Carlisle United fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney I'm Mike Booth And I'm Dan McLennan The unbeaten run comes to an end as United have put in a miserable performance And suffer a late defeat at Chillingham Is it time for panic stations or the loss in Kent just a blip on the rope to promotion? And we also look ahead to this weekend's trip to London to face Leighton Orient Three games, no goals. Is it time for the panic stations, guys? <laughs> well, uh, just well, before they scored, sorry, just before they scored the late goal, I was actually flicking through Paul Harrison's book to see when we last had three nil-nil draws in a row. Yeah, and it was a long time ago, if ever. Yeah. Mm. Just, it, it, it. I wouldn't be surprised if it was probably one of the first times it ever happened, you'd think. Yeah, I think I got back to about 1980 and then they scored. So thanks, Gillingham, for ending that record at the very least. <laughs> anyway, yeah. oh, God, I mean, yeah, no, no, not a great day in the offices is, is a a kind of, sort, you know, um, review of what happened in that game, isn't it? I think it's fair to say, Mike, it's mm. just one of those days where nothing really worked for us. Yeah, but you know we're Carlisle, aren't we? We're never going to win every game in the running, wrap up promotion, and have everything lovely, were we? There's always going to be hiccups. There's oh, always going to be bumps in the road, and it's. I, I think know. Dan, you always say, it's, don't we? That's the kind of way, isn't it? Never, never exactly. do it easy. Never do it easy. Just the way it is. Right, let's get into it then. Um, bit to cover today. So um, uh, first up, uh, we're going to tell you about the podcast sponsorship and where you can find us on social media and how to subscribe. We'd like to say a big thank you to the Carl United Sports Club London Branch for once again sponsoring the podcast this season. The London Branch is open to all Carl United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and of course every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sporters games and fundraising for the club. This season they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlallondonbranch.org. If you haven't already... Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on all good podcast apps, whether it's Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast. Basically, search for the Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then when a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification to tell you to download it and listen to it at your leisure. Also, if there's an option to review on any of those apps, please do so. If you can give us a five-star review, that would be really lovely. It's a great way for us to get the message out about the podcast, and so more people can learn about it, and uh, yeah, we can spread the word even more. You can also find us on social media, at Brunton Bugle, on Instagram and Twitter. If you go onto Facebook and search for the Brunton Bugle, click like as well. You can follow our page. Uh, we're also on the Be Just On Fear Not Facebook group and also on the Buzzies Back message board, the new message board that's replaced the Cumberlands.net. Uh, and also, if you want to drop us an email, Bugle at gmail.com. Right, into the news section, guys. Um... First up, uh, well, actually, there's only really one little bit of news. It's not really news. It's just sort of an update, isn't it, in terms of 10 puns to get in the grunt um, for the Tranmere game on Good Friday, which is coming up fast now, isn't it? One week to go. Um, sales are over 7K already. So we look set for the biggest crowd of the season so far, don't we, with this, Dan? It looks, uh, looks like it's going to be a bumper Brunton uh, attendance. Yeah, uh, sales are flying. You know, there's uh, quite a few businesses have got behind got behind the uh, the campaign and I think if we could get a positive uh, result on Saturday you'll see really see sales ramp up mm. you know it's it's good Friday it's there's not many people working 
Yeah. Unfortunately, I am, so I'm likely <laughs> going to miss it, as so I've just found far. found out. But uh, never mind. But yeah, I, I think the five figures is uh, is going to happen, and hopefully a lot more. I mean, if if we won on Saturday, what is your excuse not to go unless you're working? Exactly, you know? it's a massive mm. game if we win on Saturday as well, because suddenly we close in on you know all the teams at the top really so yeah yeah, yeah very exciting potentially obviously it's but, a great but bear in mind as well that 7k figure doesn't include away fans obviously they're not yeah. going to bring a lot but you know yeah i think like you say five figures is inevitable to be honest i mean i haven't bought mine yet most people get them on the week of the game so yeah yeah there'll be, a, there'll be a bit of a surge i think and there's not a huge amount of seating tickets left i think they've they've basically removed effectively the um social distancing block they had in the East Stand, haven't they, basically? So I'm surprised they've kept it that long, to be honest. I, it only occurred to me the other day when I was looking at that block and, you know, they said, oh, there's no seating tickets left for some of the games. And you think, there's loads of spaces in that stand, isn't there? But I, I think I think what that is, is I think it's because it was put in in the summer. Yeah. I think they've sort of said, we'll run it for the season. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think it'll be a thing next season. I think no. I said that last time, didn't I? You know. Yeah, I think it's, that's, that's fairly inevitable. I think. But I, I, I think. I think I read someone said there was literally one seat in B stand, two in D. You know, which there you go. Hmm. It's incredible, isn't it? it? Should be should be a brilliant attendance for this game. Um, and just wait until you see the Warwick Road end. Oh well, you've got some things planned for that, haven't you? You can't really tell us yeah. too much yet. You maybe tell us in next week's episode yes, a little taste. Yes. Yes. yes, it'll be exciting. Let's see what happens. It's, it's going to look fantastic. And once again, great to see those young lads doing so much good stuff in the work road end. And uh, just another little thing before we go into the Lone Watch Roundup. Um, got to say, there's a ticket offer also on for the Walsall away game, isn't there? So basically, Walsall are doing an offer for their fans where they can buy an extra ticket for a mate for £5. But they've actually extended it to us. So if you're a Cali United season ticket holder and you're buying a ticket for this away game, you can buy an additional ticket for an extra five pounds, so works out quite well if you go over, mate, doesn't it, Mike? So, yeah, some of us are saving a bit of money for this game, aren't we? So it's it's only costing us thirteen pound fifty each to get in. So that's a nice little uh, Brucey bonus there. And again, I think you said this before, Dan. Could have a really good attendance for that game, couldn't we? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's yes, it's a bank holiday, but Walsall is literally straight down the motorway and turn off. You know, yeah. it's like it's like for away fans coming to Carlisle. You turn off at Junction Forty Three and you come in and it's there. You know, it's yeah, it's it's one of the most easiest grounds to get to. And I appreciate trains and I know because it's uh, bus to Lancaster for engineering. But yeah, you know, I would imagine there'll be a, a strong four-figure following again. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, just regarding Saturday, the club have just announced earlier we've sold all nine hundred pre-tickets. Amazing. And there's three hundred and fifty available from midday on the day at the ticket office at Orient. So. Once again, you know, unreal. Should should be noted as well. The only way, well, we'll actually we'll talk about it in the preview section rather than discuss the Orient game. Now we'll we'll, we'll move on. Uh, let's get into the lone watch then. Um, yeah, uh, first up, Dan uh, Max Kills being on an athletic uh, still going quite well, aren't they? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Uh, I, I would say a playoff campaign is likely. Yeah, nil-nil draw at the weekend. It was uh, Max's 28th appearance for the uh, Galabankis. Um They were held nil-nil by Stranraer in what you might want to call a border TV derby, if that <laughs> still existed. Sadly, really doesn't really in the same way it did 
does it sadly, but there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember when, when they used to say Stranraer Benick was a border derby. And and it took about four hours to get to yeah. you. Could, you could get quicker from Carlisle to London on the train than you could yeah. between those two by car. Incredible. Um, yeah, so uh, a nil-nil draw uh, leaves them in fourth place uh, just inside the playoffs. And actually, Forfar, who had a game in hand of them, they won their game in hand in midweek. And now um, they're level on points with Annan. Annan, interestingly, are the only team in the league, other than the top two, to have a positive goal difference. Which hmm. probably, probably shows you how good the top two is, doesn't it, Danny? In terms of the, the, to away. be fair, Dumbarton are the league two team. I know they're currently in second, Yeah, they should be higher up. And, you know, the, the top two are fighting for first with the rest a long way behind. Yeah, exactly. Um, this weekend, they've got a trip to Methyl to face uh, East Fife. Uh, and they are the team that are two points ahead of them in third place. So that's a huge game, isn't it, really? If they can get a win from that, it puts them in a really good position to secure that top uh, five, uh, top four finish. Um, Lewis Bell and Gretna, um, uh, we expected a tough game for this one, didn't we, Dan? They were against the Spartans uh, from Edinburgh, who are top of the Lowland League, and no shocks, really, a 3-0 defeat. But Gretna keeps them firmly in third bottom in the league, and... Uh, Again, full 90 minutes for Lewis, though. He's played pretty much every game for them since he's gone there, hasn't he? 29 appearances now and five goals. Um, yeah, remain third bottom, so not going particularly great for Gretna at the moment, is it? Um, Sam Fishburn, he's just not getting game time, is he, Mike? It's it's, no. it's, it's a real struggle for him this season. Um, another week of limited game action for him at Morpeth. Uh, the Highwaymen picked up a point, at, uh, one point out of a possible six. Uh, the weekend, it was a 84th minute sub appearance for Sam in a nil nil draw with Stafford Rangers. But uh, in midweek, they were absolutely battered by Warrington Town 4 0 at home. Uh, Sam came on in the 54th minute. I think they were already 2 0 down at that point anyway. Um, so, yeah. Uh, this weekend, they face a home clash with FC United of Manchester. So, they should have a decent away following up for that one, you'd think. Of- Dan, you-, you obviously know a bit about FC United, don't you? They, they do tend to get good good away followings at that level, don't they? Yeah, yeah, the the one of the uh, the bigger fish in the uh, that sort of level uh, take several hundred to most away games. The, the quite local most games, you know. I mean, that's probably one of the the, the longer distances, but uh, they'll still they'll still have a healthy following. Yeah, um, Kai Nugent, uh, a great week for him in Workington. Bounced back from the three 0 defeat at City of Liverpool. To record consecutive wins. First up, a 3-0 home win over your favourite uh, non-league team, Glossop North End, Dan. The team that uh, won you, <laughs> helped you win pointless. Um, and then a 3-2 away win at Colton. Although they tried their hardest to throw that away. They were 3-0 up and conceded two in the last couple of minutes. Uh, just about held on to, to get the three points now. They're third and they only need one more point to officially confirm a playoff. Like, they've officially pretty much confirmed it because their goal difference is far better than the team that's 15 points behind them. So, um, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're pretty much in there for a, a top finish. Macclesfield have almost secured the title. I think they need two more wins, I think, to secure it. So, yeah, it's pretty much a battle. I think it's leaker up there with working, so they're just above them and there's a couple of teams in there. So, hopefully they won't bottle it like they did last season because they proper threw it away, didn't they? I think they, they accepted they weren't going to win the title played a weakened side on the last day and actually they could have won the title if they'd won the game. I remember last season, it was, it was a mad one. Um, but yeah, uh, 
Kai uh, played the full 90 minutes against Glossop. I think he came off in the second half against uh, Colm. Um, yeah, uh, so five games to go. It's all looking good for them. They're away at Witness this weekend. I might even try and get down to that one, actually, because I'm not going to make it to Orient. So I might pop along and see how Kai's doing for Reds. Um, yeah, all good. Uh, and then Dan Hill at Clayton Moore Celtic. Uh, their recent goal scoring run came to an end. They lost 2 0 at Pilkington in St. Helens. Um, keeps them firmly rooted to the bottom of the football pyramid. Um, I, I don't. There's, it's a weird one with the relegation at the bottom. That I don't think that actually is relegation quite often, is there? It's sort of a. Is it almost a re election process, Dan? You might know this better than me. It all depends what the FA are doing. <laughs> yeah. The FA are incredibly. They seem to change every season at the moment. Yeah. So it could literally be anything. Mm. Uh, I, I, I was I was reading that some leagues are staying at a slightly higher number, and oh, I think they, they did have they had a grand master plan, and it seems to change every year at the moment. I think, I think at Workington's level, because at Workington's level, you've got the Northern Premier Premier Division which is a level above them. And then you've got the three leagues, the West, the East, and the Midlands ones, haven't you? And I think for that one, two teams are going up for each of those leagues this season. And then the um, coming down from the division above is four teams. So you'll have six going up, four going down, but that then brings the, the division above to 24 teams. I think that's always been the aim, basically. So trying to balance the divisions out to be 24 sides in each. So interesting to see what happens. Uh, they were supposed to play... Uh, Hulk or Olbo's in midweek but again for the second time it was a victim of the weather um, They this weekend they play back-to-back home games on Saturday and Tuesday against Ashton United and another former football league side Nelson so there you go okay uh, we've done as much as we can to put this off but let's get into it Gillingham 1 Carlo United 0 oh, where do you start with this performance Dan it, it was pretty dire wasn't it yeah, it, it's going to sound weird. This I've said it to a mm-hmm. couple of people, so they'll sort of know what I mean. Yeah, I actually think uh, defeat was better than a draw. As a wake-up call, almost. Basically, yeah. I can get that. I think. Uh, I think if we draw nil-nil mm-hmm. off the back of a tepid performance. We would sort of have went, you know, yeah, it's a clean sheet, you know, and point on the road, go again. Whereas by getting beat, we realised we weren't that good. And, you know, I mean, we started Patrick and Gordon, which is something I've fancied seeing as a change, and it just didn't happen. Neither of them played well. And I think it sort of gives. Simo a free pass to have a bit of a go at them. Yeah. Not not in a bad way, but I like, mm. come on guys, we're we're fourth in the league, we've got a chance of top three here, you know, let's get it out of the system and go again and it would be Pete Callan United to go and win at Orient on Saturday, wouldn't it? As a you know, as a sort of comeback from it, you know. Yeah. Would you agree with that, Mike? I mean Simo wasn't happy after the game, I think it's fair to say, was he? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for me, the the solution, you know, you don't need to make wholesale changes, but I mean, the solution is obvious. The goals have dried up, and you've got one of the league's top goal scorers sat on the bench. So, 
I think it's time it's time to bring Dennis back in. I am a big fan of Joe Garner. I think what he brings to the team and how he links play up. But sometimes Dennis opens games up by scoring a goal from nothing, and then when you're one nil up, you know the opposition are going to leave more gaps. Um, and I think yeah, he's he's been sat on the bench. He's been patient. He's probably fresh. Certainly starting against Orient for me. Yeah, I, I, I think we'll, we'll talk about that later in the preview section. But I think most mm. people would agree that Dennis has probably earned his right to have another go now. Um, you mentioned team selection there, Dan, just before. Um, fair to say it was a slight surprise to see Simo make this change and go with um, a 3-4-3 rather than a 3-5-2. You know, Dennis and Edmonton dropped out from starting midweek at, against um, Bradford. And in came Patrick Gordon and Garner. I think it was Gordon's first start in a while, that wasn't it, as well? From what I remember, it, it, was, you said you'd wanted to see it, but were you a little bit surprised to see it used in this game? Uh, possibly, but at the same time, I can see why it did. It, I don't have a go go at Patrick either, but he just hasn't done much in the last few games for me, well, and I don't. I, I don't want to be harsh with that, but he hasn't. On the flip side, he was at least involved a bit in this game. I can genuinely not remember a single thing Gordon did in this match. And that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a bit disappointing. At least with Patrick, there was a bit of it, something there trying to get the ball occasionally, trying to do things. Didn't really work out. But with Gordon, he was just so anonymous. It was for someone who should be fresh, you know, who's not featured from the start too much recently. He was quite disappointed, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit, maybe. Um, in terms of the chance, I mean, I, I took, whenever I do this, when I do the running order, I always put together the chances based on watching the extended highlights and what other ones that I can remember in my head. Hence, last week, I missed out um, Moxon's attempt to lob the keeper from uh, from the touchline. That didn't appear in the extended highlights for some strange reason. Um, I don't think I've missed anything here in these. And when you read through them, guys... There's no real major chances, is there? And that's probably one of the most frustrating things. Gillingham are not peppered as we've shot, and Holy's not had to make dozens of saves. It's all a bit much of a muchness, isn't it? Yeah, well, three shots, one on target for us tells the story, doesn't it, really? We should be doing a lot better than that. I mean, they had nine shots with three on target, but one of them's the goal, very late on. The other two, very tame efforts, easily held and caught by Holy. The rest were just shots blazed over the bar. It wasn't like shots that went inches wide of the post. It was frustrating in that sense. Like It is a missed opportunity, I guess. And when you look through, like the only chance we really had was Christian Dennis getting through on goal late on. Example, as you say, you know, Dennis looking lively. And the one opportunity... I, mean, I don't think you can even really criticise Dennis's performance, can you, Dan? Because we just didn't really supply him other than that one chance that Edmondson got to... To slot him through? Yeah. Um, I just... I get annoyed even thinking about this game because of yeah. how bad we were. You know, it's... I've tried to sort of... I know we've got to talk about it on here. Yeah. I've tried to airbrush it already. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, I mean, obviously watch the highlights. And I think that was uh, being a bit kind calling them that for us. You know, it was... It was just uh, meh. Yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, first half especially, there's pretty much nothing to pick out from either side, really. 
Um, I'm, I'm looking through, and I don't think either keeper really had a save to make, actually. When I look at it, it's, yeah, pretty, just totally uneventful. Second half, they start to have a little bit more of a go. You you can see how they've improved, definitely, since the last time we played them. Yeah, um, yeah. But, again, like I said, not, nothing really for Holy to do. And then there was one controversial moment, though, and I don't think as much was made of this as it should have been. Should we have had a penalty? For me, Ben Barkley gets to the ball first. It's either a goal kick because he puts it over the bar or it's a penalty because it comes off Barkley. He might, he might just clip off the defender, to be fair, as well, but he brings down Barkley before he touches the ball. I think it's one of them. If it was against us, I'd maybe be arguing about it. I think it's, yeah, pretty contentious, to be honest. I'm not saying we deserved anything from the end. I'm just saying it's one of those mm. moments you look back and you think... Why wasn't so much made of that? Because I mean, uh, the, play, it's my, not the players my, did. But. My mate who was there said when when asked about that decision, said he gave a corner, which was the least improbable of yeah. any decision. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think I think that sort of summed it up. If you know what I mean. Well, because the referee was Charles Breakspear in the end. It wasn't James Bell who was originally down to do the game. Um, he got replaced by the fourth official. So I'm not sure exactly what happened there. Um, especially because James Bell's a fo- uh, championship level official. Um, so, but he's not, he's only refereed like 12 games this season. So I think he's had injury issues. So I wonder if that's what's happened. And in the end we've ended up yeah. and Breakspear from memory is not, not particularly great referee at this level, sadly. Um, so yeah, they started to create a few more chances then. Um, Ben Barkley for the second game in a row, maybe. No, he didn't get lucky, but he, he had a particularly, uh, decent professional foul in there to, to stop a player getting away. In this case, it was Tristan Abrams, wasn't it? He was going to get past him, I think. So, thank God he stopped that, because that, that would have been the icing on the cake, wouldn't it, if he'd scored? Um, and then the goal. And the goal's just so sloppy, isn't it? It's so frustrating, mm. because it's... It's kind of, it's just a, it's just a low ball into the box. And Feeney actually does well and gets there before Abrahams to block it, the cross. And it sits up, and I think both Ben Barkley and Callum Guy are just ball-watching. Not concentrating on Williams, who peels off the pair of them and just smashes the ball past Holy, and he's got no chance. Interestingly, the the BBC report, which comes from the the press association reporters at the game, clearly wasn't paying much attention to what happened because he said that Holy had spilled a shot in the build-up, which he certainly didn't. When you look back at it, he had no, no chance. He didn't. He had another good game actually. Holy, his handling was really good, and he'll be frustrated because that would have put him, you know, one behind Westwood on the uh, the clean sheet of one season record. So he'd be a uh, Bit frustrated about that one, and um, I mean, there was barely time to take the kickoff, wasn't there? Really, after that, it was you know scenes of jubilation from their fans and just utter dejection from our players. And yeah, twenty nine year wait for a league goal against Gillingham at Priestfield continues, doesn't it, Dan? It's 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 incredible record. I mean, we've not played them that many times in that, that time period, to be fair. But is it a fair assessment to say, Dan, if we were still playing now, it would still be nil? <laughs> to us, uh, possibly, yeah. We might have scuffed one in by then, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, but no, I mean, as as we'll discuss in the audience preview, uh, I think the forward line is back to basics, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, it's a frustrating, wasn't it? That, that the three games without a goal is, is, I suppose, the big concern here, I guess. And um, yeah, that front three, it, it, kind of one of those things that after. He's gone with the free attacking free, and I can, yeah, as you say, I can get it. He wants to get at their defence and get, get them back. Chilling and played a very sort of flat 
four four two, didn't they? They weren't no particularly tricky wingers or anything like that. Very solid, good base to work from. But the result was because because their wingers weren't particularly wide, they were fairly well tucked in. They were dominating the ball in midfield because neither of our wing backs were really getting into getting up quite often. They were pinned back a little bit too much, weren't they? And the result was Moxon and Guy were crowded out in midfield, weren't they, Mike? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I've never really liked the three four three. I much prefer the three five two that we've been doing. Um, and you know, Simo admitted straight away that he, he got it wrong. Um, I think he could have maybe carried on with the three five two that we've been doing recently. Uh, I think he was maybe trying to be a little bit clever to counteract Gillingham. Um, Are you not same... Sorry, go on, Mike. I was just going to say, but at the same time, you you, you do expect more from the players. Are you a little bit surprised he didn't push Mellish into midfield as they have done in the past? Maybe. Um, I mean, go three, four, three, or four, three, three. For me, Mellish in recent weeks has seemed a little bit. I don't. I don't quite know the word. A little bit uh, kind of scared. A little bit. He, he hasn't think... been, you know, run, running forward the way that he was earlier. Do you think that's maybe a case of him actually being a bit more switched on defensively and actually really? Yeah, po- possibly. Yeah, because there's an argument he's probably been our best defender in the last three games. Actually, yeah, a strong case for that. I, 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 also, maybe a case that teams are sort of working out right. If we stop him going forward mm. down the left, they lose a little bit, especially as Patrick's a bit off form and Gordon's not been coming in. So, yeah, I, I wonder if they're maybe switching on a little bit to, to restricting us down the left, and that's that's where part of the problems come in. Um, kind of feels to me, Dan. If you're going to play that three-four-three, three, one of the three in the front three has got to be Jordan Gibson. What do you think? Uh, possibly. If but, only because it gives you that option for him to drop back into midfield, and he mm, gets back as well. I mean, on against that, you know, McCallman's played mm. sort of the ten role, and he's played it well, especially the pressing side of it. You know, it's, yeah. I think more if you're playing that front three, I think he should be the one on the right, really, rather than yeah. I think if you play Gibson on the right, you can change it to a three-five-two without having to sub anyone off, can't you? Yeah, it, it, and you don't have to push Mellish into midfield, that kind of thing. You, you can work around that way, and I think as well, you made a comment about Patrick's performance, and I so I do agree with you that I don't think it was particularly great at the weekend, but all of his best performances from us come from playing off the left, and he played pretty much the whole of the game against Gillingham on the right. Gordon wasn't affecting the game on the left. I don't get mm. why we didn't switch that at some point and tell Amari, go on, you have a run at the right back. It seems a very, very strange decision that. And I'd like to see him playing back in that sort of role where he's drifting out to the left and, and cutting in because he can cause problems and you can get round defenders as well. You can get round the, the centre backs and the, and the full backs on the touchline from that side, whereas he just doesn't do it as much on the right, does he? Yeah. Bit frustrating. I have to say, uh, Jabbo in co-commentary, um, he uh, wasn't too impressed with Gordon. He sort of seemed to be suggesting that he was hiding a little bit and said that yeah. it's easy to slag off Patrick, but Patrick was getting on the ball and yeah. trying to make things happen, whereas Gordon was kind of hiding a little bit. And yeah, you've got to take what what Jabbo says uh, seriously. Is that? I mean, we'll talk about Jabbo in a sec, but um, is that maybe a, a, a sort of a learning curve for? J.K. Gordon, you think, Dan? Massive. Because you know, 
Patrick's got a bit more experience now, and he probably knows that he has to try and get involved in the game. J.K. Gordon cannot... There's a few times, actually, in the game where he was waiting for the ball to come to him, wasn't he? And he needs to come to it a little bit more. His, his loan spells sort of gone in reverse because mm. he started, he was absolutely flying when he started. You know, he scored on his debut, scored against yeah. Rochdale, played well, we were doing well. And then he's ended up on the bench the last few games, didn't come off in a couple of games. It sort of di- uh, regressed. It's maybe a confidence thing you maybe think with that as well. I know yeah. he, actually on his Instagram stories today, he's, he's posted up a load of action shots from his time with us, basically. So maybe he's like looking at the good moments and trying to, you know, G himself up a little bit to try and get himself playing a bit better. Because he can still have a big part to play, you know, there's eight games to go and I'm sure he's going to be involved at some point, you know. And But you'd think that a player in his position who sort of was starting and now he's sort of out the team, you'd think that like he'd really want to make an impression when he's starting mm. because he knows that if he doesn't, then he'll be out the team again. That, that's the difference with under-23 football, isn't it? I suppose mm. it's, it's, a, it's a big step up. that you, you place it on the line here. With under-23s, he knows he's going to play most weeks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot more difficult, isn't it, I suppose? Um, yeah. Um, Owen Moxon, I mentioned last week that he maybe could be dropped. Like we could rest, not drop him, but rest him for this game. Keep him, get freshen him up a little bit, getting ready for the Orient game the following week. Now, I don't think he looked off the pace in terms of fitness or anything like that for this game. But again, not he's our top-rated player for this game with seven point two. But then he takes all set piece and stuff like that, so he's always going to have more of a chance to be right up there. Do you feel like at the moment, Dan? Maybe he's trying a little bit too hard at the moment. He's trying to force everything rather than keeping it simple at times. He, I know he loves to do the little turns to create space, but he seems to be doing it a little bit too often for my liking. Uh, possibly. Uh, you know, it's been a long season. There's only eight games to go. You know, mm. a little bit of fatigue, maybe. Yeah. Played played nearly every minute sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one, obviously, coming off and playing that much in terms of fitness. But I suppose then it's one of those things just saying to him, because... Someone did point out this this point out to me. I should give them credit. Ian mentioned it to me, and and he said he did it towards the start of February as well. On that little stinky run as well, he, he he was again trying a bit too much, and then he started getting back to keeping it really simple, back to basic ball. sort of thing. Yeah. I just just I just think for this weekend against Orient, just do that, do that, start the game, keep it simple, and grow into it, and then start to really dominate because he can dominate games. We know that, and hopefully he can start to do that again. Um. Yeah, got to say about Gillingham. Um, yeah, definitely, as I mentioned before, very much an improved side out. They compared against the one we faced last August. Who, mm. I mean, had literally zero attacking threat in that game. They were they were awful defensively, fairly solid, but didn't offer anything going forward. Offered a bit more going forward this one, but as as I said already, they didn't really give Coley a huge amount to do. Despite that. And I, I totally get they deserve to win because they did have a go at the end, and, and you know they they took the one prop, you know decent chance that fell to them. But it kind of feels like a bit of a big missed opportunity here because if we play the way we played, let's say against Crawley, or even against you know Colchester and Grimsby, I think we win this game, don't we, Dan? Yeah, probably. Uh, I think. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> Pardon me. Bless you. Uh, <laughs> 
I've, I actually think Gillingham could do a bit of a stevenage next season with the right yeah. signings. Yeah, I think if they get some few sizes this summer, they will be, they'll, they'll be up because there. Because they have got a bit of, you know, we talked about some of the names that are there. There's some solid players there. And the way Harris has got them going now, with some good recruitment in the summer, I think they could, they could do a lot better. But It's almost reminiscent yeah, I mean, of us, isn't it, last season, I suppose. And this game's probably reminiscent of our game against Northampton last season, in that mm. sense. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah, no, it's it's interesting to see how they get in next season, but hopefully we won't be playing them. That's that's the hope, isn't it? Um one final point before we do a quick League Two roundup. Um and I've got to bring this up here. We're all disappointed about this result, aren't we? All we all agree yeah. arguably our worst performance of the season. You know? No. Uh, Stockport away. Stockport away, you think? I, yeah, I just feel cause I feel like cause Stockport near yeah, Mansfield I suppose as well. <laughs> But then they're two good sides, that's the thing. Whereas with Gillingham, I don't think Gillingham are anywhere near the level of either of those two sides, and that's mm. what's so frustrating about it. That's why it puts it slightly... Definitely ahead of Stockport for me, because for Stockport, we weren't great that night, but we still actually created a few chances in the second half. And if you look at it, we were very much bare bones at that point. We're not bare bones now, so we shouldn't be performing like that, really. That That's my feeling anyway. But um, yeah, I think we all have sort of agree. One of our worst performances of the season then, Simo admitting that's the most angry he's been since the Harrogate game last season. Um, although it's worth noting, you know, we lost that game 3 0. <laughs> we only narrowly lost this one in the 90th, you know, 94th minute. So yeah, yeah. there's a big difference there. Um, on form, though, we're still the third best team in the division. We're that's not mad. suddenly an awful side. No, um, no. no. We've, we, I think we've only lost, what, one of our last seven now? Well, is well, well, where we are in the league for a reason. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've still got the second highest points tally since the turn of the year. That, Only... that brings me to like some of the stuff I saw on social media after yeah. the game. Yeah, this, this you, was the you think we've just been relegated from some folk. It, I mean, it's, mm. it's astonishing. The reaction of some is, I, I'm going to say it out now, pathetic. It's really as, pathetic. As, as Mike said, you know, it's Carlisle United. We don't do it simple. No. Mm. And it's one, one loss. And people acting like we've been awful for three games. Stevenage stink the game out. Fair play, we couldn't find a way through, but we didn't play that badly in that game. And we could have nicked it. We had a couple of chances to potentially nick it. Against Bradford, excellent first half. Second half, they came out a lot stronger with a big crowd behind them. Of course, they were going to cause us problems. But again, we could have nicked it at the end. Played really well in that game. Yes, the Gillian game, we didn't play well. Let's not act like... It's a complete revision of history to suggest that we've been awful yeah. over the last three games. But, yeah, it's just... It's, I just think... Some of the opinions that have been shared online, particularly this week, have been utterly ridiculous. You, you've, I think you've been replying to a few of them on Twitter, possibly, Mike. I think, or at least commenting to a few of them, at least, mm. anyway. Yeah, what, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, you know, I mean, look where we were 12 months ago, look where we are now. Um, yeah. We all said before the season that this season is a season of, like, rebuilding... And let's not think about promotion and next season think about promotion. It's just so happened that this season we can think about promotion. Let's just enjoy it. You know, we, we're not going to win every week and there will be sort of little bumps in the road, but it's Carlisle United. Let's just let's just enjoy the ride and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. And, and the thing as well is, actually, here's a point, you know, when people panic and say, oh, you know, we're... The usual idea to say that, you know, they're deliberately thrown away, which is the biggest nonsense I've ever heard in my life, right? There's eight games to go, okay? We win this weekend against Leighton Orient. 
And then we go to Good Friday and we beat Tranmere. On Good Friday, Leighton Orient are playing Salford. Nothing to, at Salford. There's nothing to say they might not lose that game at Salford. Mm. Suddenly, we've gone from 66 points to 72. And we're mm. only two points behind Orient. They have got a game in hand, admittedly, but their game in hand is against Mansfield, who are desperately scrapping to get in the playoffs. Mm. We could be we could be two points behind Orient coming mm. to Saturday. Mm. I, I just don't get how some people are, are just losing their minds about stuff like this. At the moment, we're eight points clear in the playoffs, and you know, yeah, Mansfield got a game in hand, so maybe you'd argue we're, we're five points clear. But like I said, our recent form's good. I just think people need to calm down a little bit. And I know you you, you did a really good tweet about this on, on Saturday, Dan, didn't you, that, that summed it up really? Or was it Sunday, possibly, I think, the day after the game, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I just sort of said, look, you know, it's not the end of the world, eh? Yeah. yeah I could well. understand if it was last game of the season and we bottled promotion. Yeah. I could understand a bit of upset, but, you know. But as well, pretty much every time we've lost this season, we've actually gone on a little bit of a run afterwards. Yeah. And so let, let's now, let's go on a run all the way till the end of the season. Yeah. If we can go all the way to the end of the season on a, an unbeaten run, you know, obviously a few draws here and there, but we'll be up. Simple yeah. as. Absolutely, 100% right on that one. The best example is the last two times we've gone three games without scoring. Well, last time we did, we, we went, what, six games unbeaten after that or something? Mm. So, you know, it... it, it just goes to show, you know, we just people just need to calm down a little bit this stuff, but there you go. Right, quickly to round up before we get into the Orient preview. Um, Orient themselves, they're having a real stuttering end to the season, aren't they? <laughs> they just can't see that four draws in a row now. So they've basically thrown away eight points. They could effectively be promoted by now if they'd won those games. I know yeah, you're not going to win every single game. But um, but actually, the, 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 the run instead in terms of unbeaten is a bit longer so it's, it's it's a frustrating one for them I suppose they're looking for just just a couple of wins in there and suddenly we're what you know there would be like nine po- nine points clear at the top but as it is everyone else is sort of bearing down on them a little bit now so it's yeah they'll do it in the end I'm pretty sure but anyway a 1-1 draw Hartlepool for them at the weekend Northampton though down there the ones who are taking advantage at the moment aren't they at the moment yes but are they going to maintain this right the way to the end of the season? Especially when they've got to face us as well. That's that's yeah. a huge game now as well, that, that, one, that one on 15th of April. 2-0 um, win at Doncaster Rovers, who were probably just just below crew in terms of the, the gimme game for the rest of the season, I think it's fair to say. Um, Stevenage, uh, they suffered a 3-1 home defeat against Salford City that dropped them down to third. So they could be in danger of dropping out the top three for the first time since, I think, last August which would be astonishing if that happened um, no game for Bradford uh, their trip to Crew was postponed due to international call-ups Stockport my word they struggled to a 1-0 win didn't they at Swindon um, Swindon were down to 10 men after one minute in this game <laughs> Which have you seen the red card by the way guys no. I heard about it. It was like clean thrown goal. Well, basically, yeah, the, it, was, it was sort of a sweeping move down the left and it came across into the box and their lad was basically by the penalty spot in on goal and Wakeling just bundled him, like just barged into him, essentially. No argument at all from him about it. And yeah, 
We'll talk about the penalty in the uh, X-Files section. I've got a little bit on it there, so there you go. Um, but yeah, they managed to get themselves a 1-0 win with an 80th minute winner. Uh, Mansfield, meanwhile, they drew 0-0 with Sutton, a result that doesn't really do much favour for either side, does it, in terms of their playoff push? So um, yeah, at the moment, it's looking like the top seven is probably going to be, not necessarily in that order, the top seven that will finish the season. It, it, touch and go still. Bar- Barrow are just about keeping themselves in touch. Shut up. Well, you know, <laughs> they, 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 you know, I want to build their hopes up so we can knock them down next month. That's the hope, isn't it? But there you go. I don't. I know you don't, but you never do, do you? Right, uh, <laughs> let's take a short break and we'll be back to preview the late Norwich game. Hi, it's Morgan Feeney and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. There we go, right into the second half of the show, uh, previewing the long trip down to London, one of the best away days of the season that sadly not none of us are doing this year, are we? Late no. and away. <laughs> it's typical. I mean, the, the, the trains get put back on, but the prices, I mean, from Liverpool, the cheapest return I could find was £70, unless I wanted to get a train at five in the morning and have to potter around London for five or six hours. <laughs> Before the game, which... using your money saving genius oh, to get to tempting, London early to spend it, more money, but it would literally save me twenty pounds, and I'd end up spending that on food and <laughs> all kinds of things. So, yeah, pointless. So in the end, we I've just sacked it off sadly. So, and I think you were looking down, and you'd have to go down via the east coast, wouldn't you, to get back inside? You can get you can get down on the west coast, yeah. but the last two back uh, Terminator Preston because of pre-planned engineering, and nobody wants to be sat on a rail replacement bus service from Preston to Carlisle having had a day on the drink in London do they no. I think it's fair to say no. I, not... I do I do know a few who booked via Newcastle and got some semi-decent deals so fair play to them yeah. for that yeah, good good stuff and like, said, like you said before 900 of them travelling down minimum so it's probably going to be over a thousand with sales in the day fantastic sadly they're not going to be able to have a drink though are they for some reason not in the ground no which is baffling I, I, I mm. can't grasp why that that would be the case, but and some of the pubs and... around the ground as well are uh, not taking away fans. Well, either. The, the the one that used to be the the, the go to place that we, we used to love going to, Dan, didn't we? The Coach and Horses apparently now is home fan only, so away fans aren't allowed in anymore. Which is I I do wonder though if that's purely because they're doing well and they yeah. are getting seven eight thousand every week. Possibly, yeah. Sad though, really, because I, I always love going there for a pint before games. The London branch recommended pub for this game, by the way, is the Birkbeck Tavern, which is there. Uh, I think it's the other side of uh, Leighton High Street. Yes, when, it, when you come, obviously, I, I used to live in Leighton, so I know it well. You come out Leighton Station, you turn left, walk over the A12, and then it's up a street on the left hand side. Nice little pub as well, to be fair. So that's just yeah, I've been in it. It's, uh, it's, it's not a bad little pub. Yeah, so that, that, that's the recommended pub for this game. Dan, do you have a question of the week for us for this week? Uh, yes, I do. If you remember when we the season we got relegated, yeah, uh, was it thirteen fourteen? Yeah, yes, uh, we got hammered by Leighton Orient five one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was it was the first game of the season, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and obviously our recruitment had been. Oh, God, I know you're going to mm. do it. So I would like you to name our subs bench for that game. Oh, my word. <laughs> this, is be... this, this is in the tough category. Right. The thing I'm thinking with this is, right, Lee Miller started the game because he got sent off um, for poleaxing one of their players right in front of the Orient <laughs> fans. Who oh, was on the bench that day? Um, well, should we start with subkeeper? Dan uh, Hanford, was it, by then? Or was it, no, was that before Hanford? No. Fit. Greg Fleming. 
I think ah, Greg Fleming is your yeah, sub-keeper. I think Fleming, yeah. So we'll go with Greg Fleming for sub-keeper, because I'm sure Gillespie started the season before he got injured. Um, I, th- I think I think we had Ke- Kevin Feelian at that point, I think. No, he came or after Or did he come that, in a little bit later? Because I know he certainly game. played at Bradford a couple of weeks later. He played at Bradford, he came later. Yeah. I feel like it's... Paul Black, maybe? Again, I think I have a feeling he's a little bit late. I think, we, we, yeah, it's hard because we did make a couple of late panicked signings in that transfer window. Because oh. I, I can remember the Bradford game a lot better than the Orient game for some mad reason. I, I have a feeling Pat Broth might have been on the bench this one. I don't think he started it. I think he That's was on the shame. bench. So I'd go Fleming, Bruff, uh Lewis Guy, who's definitely with us by then, so I think he might have been on the when yeah. he started. I don't know, but I'll say, say he's the bench. Um Midfielder wise, Simonton. Simonton, uh, Simonton starting. Well, let's go Simonton. So Simonton, um, we're gonna have to name some strikers in here, aren't we? Mark Beck, Mark Beck, yeah. Um, was James Berrett still with us? Then he was, wasn't he? Or was it? No, maybe he'd gone by then, hadn't he? I think. Oh, no, I think Berrett was was with us that season. Okay. Uh, Chris Chandler. And should we go Noble or Beck or one of the... Uh, I Noble think Peter Murph was... Murph still with us? Oh, we'll go Murph. No, ooh, no I think he'd gone by then, hadn't he? I'm Danny Livesey? Sure. Danny Livesey. That's how Danny Livesey. I think Livesey would have been starting, to be honest, but... I don't yeah. know, because Mike Edwards... Was Mike... I don't know. Anyway, Dan, we haven't got a clue. So go on. <laughs> right. you, you, you've got some of them. Have we? Oh, uh, okay. Greg Fleming was on substitute keeper. Yeah. Uh, Pat Brough. Yeah. Paul Thurwell started on the bench. Ah, okay. Mm. Dave Simonton came yeah. off the bench mm. in that game. Jack Lynch. Jack Lynch, mm. God, I knew there was another youth team player. I couldn't remember who he was. Mark Beck. Oh, okay. And Alex Salmon. Oh, oh wow. So like, the only ones we didn't get were Thurwell and the two youth lads, yeah. weren't they? The, the, so... the starting 11 was Gillespie, Livesey, Edwards... Reese James, David Amu, Liam Noble, Josh Gillies, Brad Potts, James Bennett, Lee Miller, and Lewis Guy. I completely forgot that uh, Josh Gillies had played for us, you know. Yeah. Because I, I was just trying to think of that shirt, because I really like that shirt, and trying to think yeah. of players that I'd seen in that blue home shirt. Soccer Base has 51 players listed as being on the team sheet for us that season. That's just ridiculous, you know, when you think about it. It's Fifty-one. Imagine this season; it'd be much lower, wouldn't it? It'd be like that like was the year the likes of Sam Byrne came on loan. Don't mention his name in front of me. Yeah, Charney Ekejemeni, <laughs> Mickey Brennan. Yeah, was he there as well? Brennan uh, was there. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nathan yeah. Eccleston. Wow, well, Craig just, let's, Rodden. Let's just leave it there, shall we? Let's move on. Danny quickly, Butterfield. So. Yeah. Oh, the f- James Pearson. <laughs> Let's head about the meaning, no, like, right, guy, Guys can just have the best time Luke, just naming Luke, obscure footballers Lucas to each Dawson. other. Lucas Dawson. Lucas Dawson was like the original Lucas Jensen, wasn't he? Played one Dean Bazaznis was at the club. That's crazy, and he's played for Reading now. That's mad. Right, yeah, yeah. before we name anymore, let's move on. Behind enemy <laughs> lines. Uh, this week we spoke to one of our favourite pods to speak to. It's the Lowdown podcast, the Late Orient podcast. Uh, and I spoke to, I better check his name here, because actually, I haven't actually spoken to him yet. This is the thing. I'm saying I spoke to, 
But actually, I'm not speaking to them until uh, later on today, because this is just the way the timings work sometimes. Uh, I'm speaking to Adam. Adam Parks. Uh, yes, I spoke to Adam Parks uh, from the Lowdown podcast. Oh, it's pretty obvious what we talked about. What an incredible season they're having. Um, their recent run of draws and you know whether they're stuttering a bit over the line. And, uh, of course, we had to ask him about Richie Wellens and, you know, whether he's as much of a gobshite as we all think. But there you go. <laughs> right, here's the chat I had with Adam. So for this week's Behind Enemy Line sections, we're speaking to Adam from the Lowdown Leighton Orient podcast. Um, Adam, um, you guys are having a remarkable season, especially the first half of the season. It's been incredible. But you're now on the brink of a return to League One for the first time in nine seasons. Surely you cannot mess it up from this point here. You'd think that. But um, <laughs> you would like um, would like to point out that every fan base is the same. So it doesn't matter yeah, about being a little yeah. late in Orient. But uh, I'd say that um, if we weren't doing what seemingly every other team was doing, um, we'd be a little bit more concerned. But everyone else is dropping points when we're dropping points. So, so far, the luck's been with us. We probably earned that luck in the first half of the season, but we've mm. been a bit patchy since. We've only lost five games. It's not like we've been dreadful. You know, our defence has been outstanding. We've managed games really well. We've had a couple of lucky games as well. The Grimsby game, we should have lost. Lawrence Figaro, um, obviously saving a penalty in the last 10 minutes. And a game against yourselves where we won a game where it, we were a bit lucky. The luck was a good news. So it, it, it's all, it, it comes and goes, doesn't it? And I think we spoke about this earlier that about what happens in some of your games as well. Like the, the Orient game is different when. You think it's a Mellish was offside against Barrow, is it? Yeah, so, yeah, we got lucky there. To be fair, right. it's all it's all peaks and troughs. All peaks and troughs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That first half of the season, I said that, that unbelievably it must be the stuff of dreams. I mean, if I remember rightly, best ever start to a fourth tier season. I think for any team, I think I think you eclipsed was it York City? I think in the early nineties. Yeah, we 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 started the season like all guns blazing. I mean, I think you can't be nothing but. Um, impressed with what Richie's done um, since he came in uh, the start, of, you know, at the end of last season, and we've been averaging two points a game ever since then. And we were we we were on fire at the beginning of the season in terms of results. Um, we weren't prolific. We haven't really blown anyone away. I think we scored four goals once, and that was against Hartlepool. We won four two. Mm. Um, but in no way prolific. We haven't got any uh, leading scorers in the top ten. Our leading scorer's got nine. We're not a one-man team like Bradford City. Um, you know, you take his goals out, Andy Cook's goals out, and they're, they're nowhere to yeah. be seen. But, yeah. you know, that, that start, we still couldn't believe it. There's still a lot of anti-happy, clappy Orient fans around that the wheels didn't come off. This is not going to last. But we're still there. And I think, bar one week this season, I think we've been top. So, would it be disappointing if we didn't win the league? Yes, 100%. But, there's a lot of older Orient fans, probably 30, 35 and above, that were just happy to be third and just get into League One because we've seen it all before. And we've had a tough time of it in the last 10 years. So we, we'd like to just have a, another memorable day. That sounds remarkably familiar to me in terms of <laughs> as, as a uh, mid to late 30s, well, more like late 30s Car United fan here. I, I, I know exactly. Someone called me middle aged today at 42. Yeah. And at that point, it called on me that I was. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. It catches up on you eventually, doesn't it? Um, one thing that we we noticed when talking about in our podcast in the past about this is that your recruitment has been so solid because you haven't had to make 
you look at some teams, I mean, even I'll give an example of Bradford and even Stockport, you know, they, they look like they're going out on, on a trolley dash almost in January to bring players in and try and push themselves up to that top. York summer recruitment last August, there's not masses of players coming in. There's a few players coming in. You've, you've also permanently signed, you know, a couple of players who've been on loan, I think, as well, and stuff like that. It's steady recruitment. Same in January, you only had three or four players and one of them, I think a couple of them maybe to replace loan players. How important has it, been, has it been having that squad in the way it's been? Because it's fairly similar at Carline what's happened. We did have a bit of a big recruitment in the summer, but in January it was very much the same, just adding those few players. I'd like you to say that to the anti-Marty Ling Brigade. Um, mm. we, we've had our problem with some of the stuff that we've done in the last few years, but if you look at the, the whole team, our first level, if I can reel them off now, Lawrence Figaro was around during Ross Edmonton's day, so yeah. he's been there a while. Tom James was here last season. Uh, under Kenny Jacket, we we had Omar Beckles, Dan Happy, who started the season, was here last season, um, and uh, Jaden Sweeney was a youth prospect, so he, he didn't play, but he was around. Uh, in, Darren Prattley was around, Craig Clay was around, um, Paul Smith was around, Theo Archibald was on loan, we signed him permanently in the summer, um, and Aaron Drinham was around. So we added a couple of faces in, Charlie Kelman on loan. Uh, up front, and uh, George Moncur, obviously, on a permanent from Hull City, which was a massive coup for the league. Too. Yeah. Um, and a couple of other faces that have stepped up to the to the, the, the plate, like Jaden Sweeney, I've already said. Jordan Brown, who was a bit part player last season. Um, one of the, the doomed transfer committee dealings, apparently, because everyone else has been moved on since from last January. But you're right. It, it was settled. Richie obviously saw some positivity uh, and potential within the squad that he had in the summer. We had a really, 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 really bad pre-season. You couldn't even quantify how bad it was. We lost our entrance into injury as well. I don't think we won a game. Um, and then we just we went we went with it. And uh, you know, to be fair, when it was nice and sunny, we we run away with it. And it always comes down to a cold night in Grimsby. You know, it's um, I wouldn't say that the pitches are very suited to what kind of football Orient plays. So if you're expecting it to be a lump ball game on on Saturday, it won't be. It'll be a football possession-based game. And I'm pretty sure you guys play the same way. We we can do, but we, we, we can be agricultural with our defending. And that's something Simba makes a point of. In fact, our co-commentators on the radio always make that point. The amount of teams that were just constantly passing out from the back of this division and they get caught out with Crawley was doing against us the other week. Like, what are you playing at? We're going to press you high up the pitch and we're going to nick it back and we're going to batter you 5 2. It's just it's insane, but there you go. Um, you mentioned earlier you're not a huge goal scorer, obviously, in terms of, of Smith on nine, I think he's your top scorer in the league. Um, but such a sound defensive base to work from. And the, the, the two you've, I think you've mentioned them previously there, that really stand out for me are your goalkeeper, Lawrence Vigoru, who's yeah, I think he's been the best goalkeeper at this level probably for two or three seasons now, actually. And this season he's on, I think, 20 clean sheets. I think Thomas Holy for us is on 16, so he's lagging a few games behind there. But um, also Omar Beckles at centre-back, who really has stepped up. I, mean, I know people rave about Carl Piergiani at Stevenage, but I think Beckles is up there with him. How important have they been? I think you mentioned, actually, when we had a chat for your pod as well, you've been missing um, another defender that's made a bit of a difference too. Yeah, I mean, our season really turned on, you know, the first game in January against Northampton when we lost 1-0 at Sixfields. We lost three centre-backs in one game, which I'm sorry, I don't 
don't remember that happening any other time during my whole life. Um, we had Omar Beckel sent off, Dan Happy had an injury, and Shad Ogie, who was quite good last year, hasn't really had a sniff this year because he was injured and he started the season suspended. So Dan Happy took his spot. Um, we really missed Dan Happy. Uh, and we probably, I'm not trying to be um, big-headed about it, if Dan Happy hadn't got injured in the beginning of January, we'd probably be promoted now. Uh, they would have had a lot more clean sheets. And before we went to Harlequin, I said, if we keep a clean sheet, we'll win. And it, it, it's one of those things, you know, we'll score a goal. Um, but that that's a, that solidity is obviously based in the way we play, which can be quite risky. Um, you mentioned yeah. about playing the ball out from the back. And Omar Beckles is an excellent footballer, obviously chair of the PFA now. So he's got a sound head on him as well. Mm. But he's he can be problematic to the way we play. He's brilliant. Like, to say this now, so if Omar, you're listening, which you probably won't be, but if you are, um, you're brilliant. You're absolutely super. Great defender. But every now and again, we've made a ball out from the back and he'll try and take on six players or he'll have a bad touch. And it puts us under pressure. And there's times when we've been seeing out games where we're making silly mistakes and, you know, he could have, he could, should have taken a card against um, Swindon, I believe, for their goal, their equaliser. It was Tom James's ball, but he could, should have taken a card. Just these bits and pieces, but... No, you're right. Lawrence Figueroa could easily play championship football. I think he's a brilliant goalkeeper. Uh, Omar Beckles is getting to the end of his, we'll say the end of his career, but you know he's a very solid League One player. So we're, we're looking forward to hopefully going up with him there. Yeah, um, onto midfield. Um, you mentioned George Monker before. I think when we were actually doing our season preview, I think we all picked him out as one of the standout signings at this level. I think alongside. Probably Richie Small, but uh, Bradford, he's probably not really hit the levels that they would have hoped. And maybe that's as much as the players around him that's been the problem there. But with Moncour, he's got someone in Darren Prattley alongside him, who's a, a wise old head, as uh, Ryan Edmondson found out at Brendan Park, I think it's fair to say. Um, how important, I mean, I'm presuming they're working as a pairing. I, I, I wouldn't ex- express to be an expert on it, but how are they working together in midfield this season? I don't think they do. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I mean, we, we play a system where um, it's four at the back, quite a, a set, you know, English four, four, you know, four at the back. And then we, we have a three in midfield, but we have um, Il Mazzuni, who's been absolutely outstanding on loan mm. from Ipswich, playing with Prattley or uh, Craig Clay um, in the middle. And uh, Monker plays in front. So he's playing as a 10, shadow striker, yeah. you know, a bit of a free role with, with Smith or Archibald on either side. Sadly, are on the left if he come if, if if he plays as well. So we've been quite settled, and I, I'd say that Moncur, if you were going to push me on who has disappointed me the most this season, it probably would be Moncur. Oh, wow. um, so I mean, I, I think he's a brilliant player, but mm. I just I don't think we've seen the best of him. Um, he scored six or seven goals, but I think four of those are penalties. I'd have expected probably a bit more from him coming from that that area, but it could be the way that we play. Um, our goal scorer, top goal scorer, is obviously Smith coming in from the right hand side or the left hand side. So our, our centre forwards, Drinan and Kelman, have got three and four, I think, and and that kind of says a lot. We they do a lot of hard work pulling the defenders out of position, getting the gaps in behind for Smith and Archibald or Sadlier uh, to exploit that space, and we just don't create many chances. So the key to beating the Orient, which I'm sure Paul Simpson knows this already, is if you stop us creating one chance, then you'll you'll probably have a very good shot of winning the game because at the moment we're, we're shipping a goal. So we'll always let a goal in. So I don't expect it to be a clean sheet on Saturday. But then Orient do this Orient thing where they go and beat someone 4-0, we don't expect. So we don't know. And, you know, I know this is your podcast, so I'm not going to go on with that because <laughs> I'm glad I got my first. 
No, that's fair enough. I mean, to be fair, we haven't scored in three games, so we're due a goal at some point. At least there you anyway. go. So you're bound to score four at Brisbane yeah. Road, aren't you? So exactly. that's what it is. Exactly. Um, let, let's quickly go back to look at the reverse fixture from early this season. That was a proper barn burn of a game, wasn't it? Plenty of controversy in there. We've discussed that on your pod, I think, in terms of the refereeing decisions that we got. Two apologies for. I think everyone accepts that the red card was a correct decision because the, the argument is it wouldn't have happened if the penalty was given, but that's not the way it worked. So um, what's the O's view on that game? Because we feel of all the games we've lost this season, I think we've lost seven or eight now. That's the one game where we thought, oh, we could have got something in that. We, we played well. And that's not to say you guys played bad. You were very good that day, especially Archibald was outstanding. One of the goals he scored was unbelievable. Yeah, first half, yeah. Well, but I believe yeah. we were good first half. Um, second half, not so much. I think it was like the reverse of the Stockport game. And I, I, yeah, um, We started off really bad in the Stockport game. We should have been three or four nil down in the first 20 minutes. And, mm. you know, uh, we, we got away with winning. Now, I think the, the Carlisle game, we know we were lucky. Um, but then I suppose at that point you, you've got to say that we, we were creating our own luck because of the way that we were playing. Yeah. Um, the run that we were on, I suppose that, you know, you could probably point out a few games and uh, where you've had a rubber the green because you've been on a good run and maybe yeah. that wouldn't have happened. You know, if you were down the bottom of the league, I'm sure Rochdale sports would tell you that they've had horrendous luck in some games. Um, but I suppose it's a mentality of where you are in the league. So, um, yeah, that, that Carlisle game was, was, it was tense to watch. I, I tell you what, it was tense to watch. But that that Carlisle game was, um, we were lucky to get three points. But then, would we want VAR in League Two? I don't no, think so. No, no, definitely not. I hundred percent agree there. Um, right, you've got a dash to do something else in a minute, so I'm going to quickly wrap up one question before we get a prediction from you. Um, ask about Richie Wellens. Bit of a marmite character, probably not on the levels of Steve Evans. I think it's fair to say Steve Evans is the ultimate marmite character at this level. Wellens. He can be quite abrasive, and he's not particularly popular with our fans after the, the game up at our place. I think it's fair to say he probably doesn't like our fans either, to be fair, the way, the way things went. What's the view of him with Orient fans? I mean, sh- surely you guys must love him for what he's done there. I mean, I don't think any of our fans deny that he's in a, a brilliant coach at this level. You know, he says, his CV says, it says that, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. he didn't have to rub the green at Salford. He probably should have been given more time there, and I think he's got a little bit of bitterness towards... Um, towards a class of 92, the way he was treated there. He didn't get time to change the identity and the personality of the squad with a summer transfer window. And I think he might have been quite successful with with a lot of money behind him, but the Orient don't have, you know, pennies in their pockets. So um, in terms of Richie, he came in, he united the fan base, which was quite fractured after Kenny Jackett. We were going quite well last season and we thought we were going up last year and it all went to pieces and we were worried we were going to go out in the league again, which was, you know, testament to him to, you know, I think... I think we still are at two points a game since he took over in, in March time last year. Um, and the first thing he did was unite the fan base. And that, I can see why other teams or other fans would not like him. His histrionics, yeah. the way he is, is because he's confident. He's yeah. been there, done it. He's, he's had a good footballing career as well. He knows how to antagonise people. And now, if he gets the fans having a go at him, which I believe they did at Carlisle, if, if my memory serves, he had a lot of grief at Carlisle. Yes. Um, you know, and he gave a bit back as well. If uh, if he's got the fans having to go at him, they're not having to go and not concentrating on what they should be doing. So he knows what he's doing. He's a clever, clever guy. He's a great coach, yeah. obviously. He's a good man manager, which he probably wasn't. And he's admitted he wasn't a few years ago at Swindon, potentially with some players. But mm-hmm. for example, he, he, he essentially sacked Lawrence Figaro at Swindon. 
Uh, and now Lawrence figure who can't say nothing but nice things about him. So, you know, he's a key example of if, if he gets given time somewhere, he'll grow. He won't be with us long. I think if we go up, there'll be people looking in the summer. Um, I'd like to yeah. I'd like to think that he'd give us another year um, just to get us in League One, solidly, you know. Um, but he'll go to somewhere in the Northwest, I'm sure. I mean, I, he's got a back catalogue of, of uh, teams. He won't go back to somewhere like Doncaster, but... I'm sure he'd go somewhere like Blackpool if they're still in the championship, if they, they come in for him. Um, but he deserves it. He's obviously a good coach. Yeah. Um, but he's got a, he's got a chance to to create a legacy at a club like Leighton Orient, which is not something that you'd hear many fans say, really. He's, he's changed the mentality of the fans. He's changed the, the mentality of the club. Um, it's a winning mentality. It's what we expect to do now instead of when we win, we have a street party. It's when we, when we draw, we're pretty upset. So... You know, he's he's a he's a class act. Got a lot of time for him, a lot of love for him. Not not averse to criticism. Not being happy with the mm-hmm. last few games and his tactical decisions. And I, if I had a beer with him, I'd tell him the same thing. But I, you know, I caveat that with the fact that you know, if I was of a different gender, uh, I'd, I'd probably want his babies. That, that's how much we love him. <laughs> that's exactly how much we love Richie Wellens. He's a he's an absolute um, honest, straight down the line guy. Tells you how it is. If someone says something in an interview with him he'll call it out straight away. And he'll say, what do you mean? We've, we've not achieved anything yet. It was a question put to him by Dave Victor, our, our journalist, at uh, one of the games recently. He said, we've not achieved anything. We, we, one game at a time, we'll get there. But you just got to stick with us. And I think that's the key thing. Uh, and he, he unites a fan base. So it doesn't really matter what other teams think of him. We, we know they probably don't like him. So, But no one no one as bad as Steve Evans is there. Absolute yeah. monster, that guy. No, I don't think it's that. That's very fair to say, Adam. You very kindly time. Thank you very much. It, I think this weekend's game, we say this all the time in our pod. It's one of our favourite away days of the season. Sadly, none of us are going down this weekend because the because the train tickets were put on so late. The cheapest return I could find from Liverpool was seventy pounds, and unless I wanted to go there at five in the morning and get into London and spend five hours pottering around London, where I'd end up spending the money anyway that I'd saved. But um, but yeah, b- before we finish up, um, have you got a prediction for the game? Uh, I I think it could. You know, it sounds like Michael Owen, isn't it? Just saying it could go all kinds of ways. But um, I think if we don't concede a goal in the first twenty minutes, um, we'll control the game. Uh, the pitch isn't great. It's been taken a bit of a beating because the, the Tottenham ladies have been playing on there, um, and so it's it's not going to be too good a, a surface. So. I'd, I'd be happy with a 1-0 or a 2-1. Um, I do see us conceding. So I'm going to go 1-0 because every time I go 1-0, we tend to win. So um, let, let's hope that is. But you've got a lot of fans coming down at the weekend. After speaking to Mark Devlin earlier, he said that you, you're closing on a 1,000, I think. And yeah. that's no mean feat. So fair play yeah. to you guys. And like I said to you in, a, in, a, in the interview with you earlier, um, if, if a team goes up with us this year, I'd rather it be you and neither of Northampton and Stevenage because... You know, proper football fans are hard to come by and, you know, they're a bit plastic, aren't they? So, you know, good luck for the rest of the season. Hopefully it starts after the weekend. Adam, thanks very much for your time. I 100% agree. All the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. And I really hope that it's a pair of us up going up next season. We get a nice trip down to London again come no uh, the 2023. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Cheers, Adam. Cheers, Lee. Thank you. Yeah, big thanks to Adam for giving up his time to speak to us about all things late. You know, I'm sure they're very excited for this running. You know, I mean, I I can't see them messing up a top three place. Can you, Dan? I just feel like they're... It, it, it would take something quite special, wouldn't it? A spectacular for them to finish in the playoffs now. 
I think this run of draws is probably their dip. Yeah. Such is how good they've been this season. Whereas the likes of ourselves, Stephen and Northampton will probably have a couple of losses at some point. I think this is their dip, such as being how good they are. On the flip side, we did not deserve to get beat off them up here. Yeah, but it's weird. Of, know, all we... the, of all the games we lost this season, that's the one where you'd probably say, other than maybe Northampton, we should have got something from that game, shouldn't we? Yeah. 100%. We, we, we were a good good team in those games. It's just quite frustrating, but there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the actual recent form, Orion, it, it's weird because obviously we mentioned those four draws in a row. You'll think, oh, you know, that's them dropping off. They're not doing particularly well. I mean, they've not lost in the last nine. <laughs> so, you know, and, it, and actually, if you stretch it back to like, since November, they've only lost three games. Two of them yeah. came in a row against Stevenage and, and Orient. And since those games, they've they're sorry, Stevenage and uh, Tranmere. And since then, they've not lost a game. You know, and in fact, they've barely, you know they've only conceded two goals in one game. I think since they lost three against Stevenage. So yeah, they're, they're a tough side to break down on. I think it's fair to say. So this one's a three o'clock kickoff on. Saturday the 1st of April. Hopefully we won't be the April Fools. I know some smart is going to make out the point. You can't be an April Fool after midday, can you? So I cut you out before you made it. Yeah. I know that's the way it works. So there you go. Uh, referee for this one, Benjamin Speedy from Liverpool. Uh, it's his third season as an EFL referee. There you go. You can get a lift with the rest. Oh, I don't <laughs> think that's quite uh, socially acceptable. Funny story about that. You know, uh, Michael Oliver. Um, yeah. Uh, when he started out as a young sort of football league official in his early 20s, his dad was still a football league official as well. He was a referee. And there was a game where I think he was the fourth official or the assistant referee, and his dad was the referee for it at Carlisle. And they couldn't travel together in the car over, even though they lived in the same house. <laughs> the rules say you have to tra- travel separately as referees if you come into a game with the officials. Which is insane when you think about it, isn't it, really? You know, literally, they can have breakfast that same morning. They're like, see you later, bye. And then jump, jump in separate cars and drive over. It's just, just just ridiculous, isn't it? But there you go. Uh, this season, Speedy's taken charge of 29 games, uh, handing out 115 yellows and four red cards. Last season, he handed out 96 yellows and four red cards in 33 games. So he's already exceeding his uh, yellow cards from last he's season. He's gone from three a game to four a game, roughly. Yeah, stepped up a little bit, hasn't it, really? Uh, the last United game he took charge of was the 2-1 defeat at Doncaster Rovers on New Year's Day. Uh, that's the second United game he's t- ref this season after the 2-0 defeat at Stockport. Is it going to be third time lucky? Is he going to referee a Carl United win this I'll season? Tell, I'll tell you something. When when I read this, was, Lee was super organised this week and sent us the uh, mm. the preview last night. Yeah, half at him, you know. But uh, it's not often a referee does a team three times in a season. Some northern ones will occasionally. Quite often, yeah. we, we get Durham-based ones, basically. Doing you, that. you often see it with linesmen. Yeah, because, you see them um, all the time. That that lass who's from Dunham who plays for Sunderland, uh, I forget her name. She's often on a midweek night. Yeah, and know, I think the, 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 the that Ivan Stankovic as well. He he does quite a few games. I think of us. Yeah, like, but time. in terms of actual referees, it's it's less common. You do get them one twice a season sometimes, but three is is quite rare. But the biggest surprise in this is the fact that all three games are going to be away games. That he's refereed. Yeah, and he's a yeah. northwest based official. You'd think he'd have done at least one at Carlisle, but no, he hasn't. So uh, just goes to show sometimes, isn't it? There you go. Head to head record, 60 second meeting between the two sides. Played each other quite a lot, haven't we, actually? Quite a surprise. Yeah. You don't really think mm-hmm. about it that much. But uh, um, 
24 wins for United, 15 draws and 22 wins for the O's. The first time we played them, Dan, was in the 1930s in the FA Cup, wasn't it? When they yeah, were, you, when they were uh, you, you mentioned this. And when I look at my grounds on footballology, obviously my top two are Brunton Park and Wembley. Mm. Uh, next is Rochdale. And then third, because I don't count Wembley as a, a league ground, is Leighton Orient. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I've think... been to Leighton Orient 12 times. And yes, I used to live in the vicinity, but I didn't go to watch Orient very much. You know, I, yeah. I, it was always when Carlisle were there, mm. apart from once when I went to Orient Leeds with a, a Leeds fan from Carlisle, I know. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, for me, I think I think on my footballology, I think Tranmere, unsurprisingly, is the second most common I've been to. And I think yeah. then it's Rochdale after that. So, yeah, sadly going to be losing Rochdale this season by looks things, aren't we? Which is uh, really sad to see, but there you go. Yeah, and possibly Hartlepool too. Mm, yeah. Um, they might not be back for a good while either. I, I, I would be highly surprised if they were, because you'd imagine mm. if Notts and Wrexham go up, Chesterfield are going to be next to follow them next season, you'd think. And mm. Yeah, there's a few, like Southend have really picked themselves up finally as well, and I'd imagine Oldham will probably be better prepared next season than either of those yeah. two, so... Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Um, Orient squad then, Dan, let's talk a bit about them in terms of their recruitment. I mean, they're a real standard bearer, aren't they, for having a settled squad and a good unit in there, aren't they, really? Because you look at it in terms of the recruitment. When I send this thing, I've got this little table thing that shows you the transfers in and out in the summer and in January. And normally it stretches well over two into the second page, doesn't it? Theirs is comfortably in one page, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing that really stands out. They've they've recruited well, and in January they've done exactly what we did. They've basically just replaced a couple of loans and just tidied the squad up a little bit, and added a couple of extra players in, haven't they? Yeah, were, I mean we we all sort of said at the start of the season, the preview that they could do quite well. And when you look you look at the squad, it, it's got the, the we talk about mixes of players. You know, there's. There's players who've been there a while, you know, there's a bit of experience, there's younger, you know, just, you look at the midfield, the likes of Prattley and Monker, you know what I mean, they, they stand out a mile, don't they? Yeah, absolutely, two really, I mean, you'd imagine Prattley's probably not going to go on too much longer, and if they go up, he might be one that moves on maybe, because he, has he still got the legs to play in League One maybe at his age, what is he, 38 now or something like that, I think? I can't remember exactly. I'm going to look that up while we're talking. Um, but Moncourt mm. could comfortably be playing league at one level, couldn't he? Yeah. Prattley is 38 in April. Thank you. You did that. You beat me to it <laughs> while I was typing there. That's just sounds isn't it? Um, yeah, you imagine with him, maybe this might be, you know, maybe not. Maybe he'll stay on. I don't know. But but yeah, he's having a great season again for them as, as captain. Um, defensively so sound out. The Omar Beckles has been a real star performer for them this season at the back, hasn't he? Kind of goes a little bit unheralded, doesn't he? Because everyone goes on about Carl Pierre Gianni and the job he's done at Stevenage. But Beckles, Mike, at Orient has arguably been as good and he's chipped in a few goals as well along the way, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. But as well, obviously, the keeper behind him, uh, yeah. Vigaru, I think for me is probably the best keeper in the league. Um, and Jaden Sweeney as well. Yeah, um, I've just got to mention Sweeney. He's, yeah. Uh, he's yeah. He was he was in and out a bit, but he's really nailed his place in the last uh, couple of months. 
But it, it's funny, like we were saying before with Gillingham, like, oh, you know, they're almost doing uh, Stevenage, or they're almost going to do a, a Carlisle next season. But Leighton Orient were fighting for relegation as well last year. You know that for, for a bit that they, they got themselves, I think, away a bit earlier than we did. To be yeah, fair, but I mean that that away game, what Simo's first game, that was a six pointer, to be honest. You know, yeah. and I think it'd be fantastic for the league if Orient, Stevenage, and us can all go up from you know where we were last season. Mm. The thing we mentioned how good their defense is in the midfield. In, in attack, they've got some talent there. Kieran Sadler. Coming in from Bolton on loan in January seems a really good signing, you know, just to give them an extra bit of strength in the same way that we brought in Joe Garner to, to beef it up a little bit. But actually, when you look at it in terms of goal scoring, their top scorer is Paul Smith on 10. Mm. The next is George Moncourt on 7. And then they've got a load of players on 5 and 3 goals. They don't have like, unlike us, you know, we've got Dennis, we've got goals across the team, of course, but we've got Dennis who's, you know, scoring a, a high amount of goals. They've only just got one player into double figures, and I think you only got into double figures recently. They don't smash teams. No, mm. there's a lot of one nils, two nils, two ones, and the yeah. goal scoring is quite spread about. Yeah, I mean, Theo Archibald's got which, five which, goals. Which, don't get me wrong. Uh, when we went up in third place in ninety six, ninety seven, we had a proper spread of goal scorers. Mm. You mm. know, so that that's often, you know, as good as. Cheltenham, I think, a couple of years ago, the same, weren't they? they I, think they did, I don't know if they even had a player in, in double figures that season. Yeah, yeah. Because they spread the goals so well and they defended so well. Theo Archibald's got five goals. Two of them came against us. So, you know, again, mm. that goes. And actually, in terms of assists, um, I think Archibald's top with six, yeah. So, they, again, they don't have, like, someone who's, like, Moxon who's got, you know, double figures assist in, for the mm. season. So, they're just so well drilled. And everything about them just so well to the point. Which sort of brings me on to talking about their manager, a man who's not particularly popular with Carlo fans, Mr. Richie Wellens. <laughs> but, Mike, as much as we might not like him, can't deny at this level he's a very good coach because he's not exactly had, you know, thousands and thousands to spend it or in. You know, it's a good squad. I'm sure they've got some well paid players in there, but they're not, it's not like a stockport, is it, where they're just chucking money at it, is it? He, they've got a coach and who knows what he's doing. Yeah, definitely. And I was thinking about this the other day, actually. I think. I am to blame for Wellen's success as a manager because uh, there was that game a few years ago when he came to Brunton Park as Salford manager, yeah, and he and they weren't doing that well. And I gave him a lot of stick for his shoes that day because he just had this awful pair of shoes mm-hmm. on that they were kind of like half cowboy boots, half tap dancing shoes. They were just terrible, <laughs> and the amount of stick I gave him. And I think players would never respect a manager wearing them shoes. And I think. From then on, he probably never wore them shoes again and players respected him as a manager. So I take full responsibility for his success and indeed Leighton Orient's success this season. It's quite weird because when he was at Salford, his record wasn't that bad. Yeah, but I they just know, wanted he, success. I, I think Gary Neville has admitted since he shouldn't have sacked him, didn't he? I think I'm yeah, sure he said yeah. that somewhere that that was probably the biggest mistake he's made as Salford manager. You should have just given him time. I've, I've just brought it up here and he had 30 games, won 11, drew 10, lost 9. Pretty average, isn't it? But, it's, it's, know, not the worst, it's not the worst, is it? Yeah, but they're, they're, they're not a club that gives managers more than one. No, no. It's easy. You'd imagine Neil Wood will be out at the end of the season if they don't go up. Yeah. Because that that's their aim, isn't it? So frustrating for them, I guess. Um Yeah, um you mentioned obviously Lawrence Rigoru there, Mike, uh, one of the few keepers to play for both Liverpool and Everton. 
That would be Everton in Chile, of course, though, because he's of <laughs> Chilean descent. He's played, he, he, he won over for a couple of years, didn't he, Dan? I think I seem to remember early in his career to play over in Chile. I'm sure he's played for Chile at it youth was, level. Uh, no, it was just before he signed for the audience. Oh, was it? Yeah, because oh, he, he, he was at Tottenham. He, yeah. He's a London lad. He's from Camden. Yeah. He was at Tot- Tottenham, and then he went to Liverpool, and he was at Swindon for a while. Yes, that's I right. Think, I'm sure he went on loan to somewhere like Ireland or somewhere. I was looking him Waterford. up the other day. Waterford he went to, yeah. And then I'm, I think he went to Chile, whether mm. it was because of one of his parents, obviously, or... Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm just, I'm just do- going through his older, um, what you call it, his, uh, his uh, Wikipedia page, and uh, it's his, his dad who is of Chilean Yes, yes, I just checked up. His and mother's his Jamaican. Mother's Jamaican. Yes, well, nice you read the same thing as me at the same time, yeah. You know, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's been outstanding not just this season, but he's probably been the best keeper for probably. I could be the last two or three seasons at this level, hasn't he? It's kind of a little bit of a surprise that a bigger club's not coming through. I'd say, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't. You wonder if it's maybe passed him by, but it's, it's still only was twenty eight, twenty nine. Yeah, still chances to keep you know to, to show yeah. what you can do maybe a championship level club possibly. But I'm sure that I'm pretty sure that the Orient fans want to keep hold of him in terms of attack. We've mentioned before, you know, they've as much as they don't score a huge amount, they've got a little bit of quality in them. And Archibald was excellent against us at Brunner Park, wasn't he? Mm. You know, that first half especially he tore us apart at times. Not many um, players get to lob Thomas Holy, do they? No, certainly not. And yeah, it was a brilliant goal that was and Paul Smith obviously he's got some spectacular goals this season so he's played a big part for them too um, let's talk about United then um, injury wise I've got to say Dan that was a pleasing update from Simmer this week wasn't it because literally the only three players at the moment who four actually I suppose if you include Josh Dixon who's still slowly making his recovery from his ACL the only three players not available right now are Toby Show Silver, Brendan Dickinson, and Taylor Charters. Who, but again, he was on the grass this week. So I think he said there was something like 26 outfield players in, who did all the grass work this week in training. That's a huge boost, isn't it, Dan? Including Finn Back. Yes. Well, mm. You've you brought it up quite nicely, haven't you? Finn Back, back in training for the Blues. Quite timely, I think, because we sort of didn't discuss this in the review section, but. Joel Senior looked a bit leggy in this game against Julian, didn't he? A couple of times. There's a couple of times a ball over the top caught him out a little bit. I wonder, it's one of these things where people expected us, you know. I don't think the expectation was when he came back from his injury that he would have to play four or five weeks in a row consistently over like basically a couple of months. In fact, arguably seven or eight weeks over a couple of months mm. in a row. You'd probably look to drop him in and out, bring him on as a sub a couple of times, maybe because he's got that attacking threat when he gets going forward. It kind of feels like maybe it's time for him to come out of the team again. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I mean, it depends largely on the fitness of our other options there, uh, because I don't think Back will be quite ready to do a full 90 minutes either. Um, mm. Certainly maybe maybe give Senior 60 and then bring Back on or something. See, I... I don't know about you, Dan. I'd be inclined to start Finn back against Orient. I think he's going to have the fitness levels that are good enough. He looked really fit for the whole season. He didn't take long to get up to fitness at the start of the season. And this is going to sound harsh, but I think if I was going to do it this weekend, I'd take back to start. And if I was going to have a backup, I'd have Ellis. 
because I think see, I, 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 I like seeing. Yeah, I think there's a really good player in there. I think he's just been a bit unfortunate, like I said. That I think these games have caught up with him a little bit. What do you reckon, Dan? Uh, it's a tease, isn't it? It all depends what what they're showing on the training pitch, doesn't it? Yeah. It's uh, oh, it would be a manager. Mm, I I I feel like Simo's going to make a change there because he he subbed off back for Jack Robinson, didn't he? In this yeah. game, so I wonder if I almost wonder if maybe what will happen is Jack Robinson will drop off the bench, and maybe one of Ellis or Senior will be on there and back will start the game possibly. I think it's... Ellis, I think, would make more sense than Senior, actually, sorry, on the bench. Because he can fill in at centre-back as well. So you've got an extra option there. He can also probably play midfield. I'm sure he's done that for the youth team. So, yeah, that, that's the way I've been inclined to do it. Paul Huntington back in training as well after his muscle tear. I mean, he's got to come straight back in, surely, Dan? You would think so. I think it was sensible for him not to go, travel to Gillingham with a, a slight stomach tear, sat on a bus for several hours. Yeah. So yeah, it kind of feels like this game he's going to switch back to three five two, isn't he? I can't see him sticking with three four three again for this one. Got he's to gonna, surely. He's going to want to pack that midfield and really for straight orient and try and hit them on the break. Really, that's surely the way to go. And I've said this before, it's far too late in the season to be changing from a back three to a back four for me. That's the kind mm-hmm. of thing you need, you know, a bit of time to work the players around and get them used to playing on a regular basis. Doing it now would just look like nuts really to me it just wouldn't make any sense at all midfield Dan what what changes are you making in here McCallman or Getson uh, I like McCallman to do it's a tough one I, I think I'd maybe bring McCallman in for this one and maybe have Gibson ready to come in for the Tranmere game a game where we can really get out of the team a little bit more because they're quite defensive but not really as attacking you know their record goal scoring wise this season has been appalling one of the worst attacks in the division so I feel I yeah I think I'd agree with you. I'd maybe I'd start with Carmel with this one, but have Gibson ready to come in for the for the game against Tranmere on mm. Good Friday. Mike, what would you do? Yeah, I'd, pro- I'd probably agree with that. I think McCalman's pressing is really sort of vital and away from home. Orient are going to try and pass it about a little bit. We need him to just run around like a little Yorkshire Terrier in the middle, yeah. chasing absolutely everything down. And then it- yeah, like like you say, Gibson against uh, against Tranmere. Do you maybe freshen things up on the bench as well a little bit? Maybe bring Devitt in as well? Possibly something like that? Another diff- a different option on the bench, really, that we've not really had for recent weeks? Because it's maybe, been very I mean, samey, hasn't it, with the subs and stuff like that recently? Yeah, I mean, a lot depends on fitness. It's hard for us to know mm. where these players are at fitness-wise. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you sort of said earlier with Moxon and his fitness, I'd rather have Moxon at 100% mm. for the this running than anything less really uh so yeah maybe a player like Devitt that you can that you can bring in uh yeah it's hard we're, i mean you know we're going to have to leave options, quite a few we? players off the yeah. bench Absolutely. which hasn't really happened yeah. this season dad what are we going for in attack uh Dennis and Edmondson for me yeah you go with that rather than Dennis and yeah. Gordon De- De- Dennis because he he just gets goals from nothing yeah. he can do nothing all game and score uh, Edmondson, one thing I've noticed in a couple of games recently is I still think people don't realise what pace Edmondson has yeah. got. Mm. He's quite he's quite sharper. Yeah. And I think he can do more of the sharp running, whereas Dennis does the intelligent running, if that yeah. makes sense. And he can also do the target man work. He can win his headers yeah. as well. Yeah. And, yeah. I th- and 
you, you forget as well, he got sent off in the reverse fixture, didn't he? So he might have a little point yeah. to prove in this game. Yeah, know? I was thinking exactly that. So he may well be up for it. So that'll be interesting to see how he gets on. So yeah, I think we're sort of in agreement, aren't we? I think that the lad that we've go with would be holy in nets. You, your wing-backs have... We're not sure of right wing-back, but let's say back if he's fit. Armour at left wing-back. Your centre-backs pick themselves. Feeney, Huntington and Mellish. Midfield, Moxon, Guy and McCallment. And then up front... Dennis and Edmondson. I think that's probably our strongest team at the moment, isn't it? I think you'd, you'd probably say. Because Gary's yeah, got a little I, bit off the boil. I'd be inclined as well to bring Gordon on. I know that he didn't do a lot, but mm. I've got this thing for, obviously, a lot of his London-based family are going to be mm. there. And players often, you know, they want to impress the family and, and this and that and the other. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'd do. Well, hopefully rise up to it. So, what happened with Gillingham? He's a South London boy, isn't he? Maybe, they couldn't, maybe they couldn't get the train from to, to, <laughs> to Kent. There you go. Um, right. Uh, oh yeah, we're going to these final eight fixtures or nine fixtures. Eight it's eight fixtures, now, isn't it? Sorry, I didn't change that. Um, it, it, it's exciting, isn't it? It's it, looking forward to this now. And let's have your predictions. No, nothing's changed in the prediction league shock horror because once again, none of us predicted a one 0 defeat. So, uh, what are we going for, Dan? You go first. I'm going for the reversal of the Brunton Park fixture and a 3 2 win for Carlisle. And I'm going to go for a goal for Dennis, a goal for Edmondson, and then with a couple of minutes to go and it's 2 all, Morgan Feeney's going to score a header from a corner and there'll be absolute chaos. That's so annoying because I wanted to pick those three as well. Um. Go on, Mike, you pick yours first while I think of what mine's going to be. Uh, I'm going to go for a narrow 1-0 win uh, <laughs> with Edmondson getting the goal and shushing Darren Prattley. No, oh, that'd be enjoyable. Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go... F- Same score as Dan Frito. I think it's going to be a barnstorm of this. I really do. Um, Edmondson for one of the goals... Uh, Mellish for another and the winner is going to be uh, Paul Huntington header from a corner there you go for something slightly different I do want Dennis to score but I'm just I don't want to go for exactly the same as you Dan so there you go <laughs> uh, right on to the X-Files section a few, few to cover this week considering it was an international week it's a few little bits isn't there yeah it was uh, it started off slowly but it ticked into life uh, I missed penalty first Paddy Madden yeah uh, that early guard in the Swindon Stockport game, County got a penalty, but his team effort was saved. Mm. Uh, we're then into uh, non league, and that was the only league goal. Mm. Adam Campbell scored for Gay 10 in a big 3 2 win at Alder Shot as they aimed to stay up and in a right battle. Mm. Uh, ben Richards Everton, former youth player, scored an own goal in Scunthorpe's 4 0 battering at Notts County. There was 16,000 at this game. Astonishing, isn't it? Yeah. Really astonishing. Uh, Gavin Riley scored for his new club, Stenhouse Viewer, in a one-all draw at home with 4-4. Uh, Dave Simonton scored two for Workington in that 3-0 win against Glossop. And good one here. Danny Redmond you scored missed this one. New- you missed this I one don't in look the WhatsApp. Welsh leagues. <laughs> well, I, I looked through the BBC football thing and I just saw Redmond. I was like, is that Danny? Oh, it is Danny Redmond. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, scored for TNS and New Saints in the 7-1 win against Cardiff Met Uni in the Cumberland Premier. 
Midweek, not too much. Uh, Olafella Olamola scored for Wealdstone in a two-all draw with Oldham. And Connor scored a penalty in that Workington 3-2 win at Colm. A little bit of other news. James Trafford made two starts for England under-21s. He got a clean sheet in the 4-0 win over France. Mm. And then he also played in the 2-1 defeat to Croatia. Mm. And he is a good one that You've came been out. Looking forward to this, haven't you? <laughs> Billy Painter is the new manager of Runcorn Linnets. Amazing! It's a great name for a team that's in it. Runcorn Linnets. I always, I always love that whenever I see that. But there you go. Because they are the bigger. Because Runcorn Town used to be the bigger team in Runcorn, but um, but now Runcorn Linnets have overtaken, and they're sort of based in the, I think the east of uh, of Runcorn, near, near where our a mutual friend Craig lives. Basically, I think he lives not too far from where they play, so, so there you go. But um, yeah, apparently he's replaced their manager who's been sacked to, to gross misconduct, so we'll, we'll, I have no idea what exactly that is. But he's done something naughty by the sounds of things, so there you go. Um, that's it then, guys. That's this week's episode finished. Thanks very much for joining me again. Always always a pleasure. Cheers. Um, it says upcoming episodes. We're going to do an Easter weekend doubleheader. So we just thought we wouldn't have time to record a, another episode in between the... Um, the game against Tranmere on Good Friday and the uh, Easter Monday game at Walsall. So we'll do a nice little double header for those two. We'll try and try and get a Tranmere and a Walsall fan on that one, maybe. Or we might even do that as a sort of separate episode the uh, behind the enemy line section for that. But there you go. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it covered, isn't it, guys? So just everyone's got to keep the faith, haven't they? Really, that's, that's the key thing. Yeah, there's been a, bit, a little bit too much negativity, you know, in the last week or so. I think from some people, and we just from where we've come. It, it, it's been an astonishing season and hopefully and, it'll be an incredible one to finish. Exactly. And a wise man once said, life is a roller coaster. You've just got to ride it. And on that note, a really repeating <laughs> quote, we end it because my brother liked that. Cheers and up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.